Ezra chapter 3. It says, They sang with praise and thanksgiving to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful love to Israel endures forever. Then all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord, because the foundation of the Lord's house had been laid. Amen to that. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you for letting us come here. Thank you for letting us be part of this community of believers. Lord, thank you for the freedom that we have to uh, come and loudly proclaim that we are excited to follow you. Lord, I ask you to take this time that we have, uh, allow us to lift you up and glorify you because you are worth it. Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, good morning, family. Hey, I got a little bit of bad news for you. Uh, so it's, it's a holiday week, so we're, we're a little, little lighter in here. Uh, what that means to you is you have to sing louder. I'm sorry, that's just kind of the rules of the church. I don't know if you're aware of that or not, but now you have been informed, uh, so you have to sing louder. Hey, if you're, if you're watching online, go ahead and sing loud too. Your neighbors won't mind at all. Um, there is a number to fill out your connection card. If you're with us in person, you don't have to fill it out unless something changes. Uh, otherwise, let's take just a few minutes, say some hellos before we get back into worshiping.
I'm excited, but I'm not excited about this week. I am super excited about next week because if uh, you guys have been with us most this way through this dark horse series, and we're we're doing it about uh, unusual leaders that we find in Scripture, and I am super pumped about next week. Just a little bit excited about today. Here we go to one slide up. Move one slide up, one up. Not yet. Is it not working? All right. Oh, there it is. Hey, that's our, that's our passage we're going to be in. I'm going to give you a quick warning. We are going to do just a little bit of page turning today, just a little bit, so, but we're going to stay in Luke almost the entire time. So if you've got a physical Bible, great. If you're digital, there you go. But we're going to be in Luke most of the time, but we're going to do a little bit of, little bit of turning. So we're going to start in Luke 23. I'll give you a second to get there. Luke chapter 23. We're going to start. We're going to start in verse 33. It says, Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, there they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they cast lots to divide, to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching. But the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others. Let him save himself if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was also an inscription over him, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And when he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Now we're going to stop there. And sometimes in, in Scripture, especially when dealing with kids, they, they kind of get irritated and they go, why is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all so similar? And for me, I look at it as a parent. Kind of like when your child comes home and they, they tell you about a disagreement they had, and they'll say, Dad, so-and-so looked at me, and you know what they do the next? They get that sour look. They said this, and they get that real sour, nasty look. And I look at them, and I say, did they really say it like that? Or 
are you embellishing? And I, I love when, when, they're, when they're doing this and you have someone that was there. And then you look over at the witness and you say, is this how it went down? And I like that because I, I love that, that extra perspective. And that's part of the reason we have the Gospels. Is we have, a, we have a very similar story changed with different perspectives. So because that's so important, and before we really get into this thief on the cross, we have to get a second perspective. Now let's go back over to Matthew uh, 27. And we're only going to read this once. So once you get to Matthew 27, you don't have to stay there. We're going to go back to Luke. But we've got to get this extra perspective. You guys there, Matthew chapter 27, it's going to be a really fast, really fast verse here. I don't want you to miss it. Matthew chapter 27, verse 44, this is a discussion of the crucifixion, but it's a different perspective. Look at this, Matthew 27, verse 44, and it says, and the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. All right, so I'm going to, I'm going to give you your, your history lesson, your, your Greek lesson here. The word robbers is plural. That's not a translation issue, it is plural. So Matthew gives us a very clear picture of what was going on here. That's a, a better, clearer image of what Luke is talking about. When in Luke 23, it talks about Jesus hanging on the cross, and it says the, the scribes and the elders and the soldiers, it said they mocked Jesus, that's what it says in, in Luke, right? But when you look in Luke 27, it says the robbers, it's plural. These two men that were hanging beside Jesus were making fun of him also. And Luke, 20, Luke 23 doesn't do a very good, clear picture of what's going on. And why is that important to us? Because it's, it's simple. It's our very first point. The hurting unite. That's, that's really all, that's, that's what I want to definitely clarify for everyone. When we look at this passage, I want to point out that as, as these people were mocking Jesus and ridiculing him and teasing him, they were together. The hurting unite, and I, I've got to get this off my chest, family. I've got to get this off my chest. This is one of those moments in Scripture that I look at and think, this is grimy. I look at this passage, and, and me personally, I look at this, and this is, this is some of the most underhanded stuff we see in Scripture. Honestly, honestly, Jesus is dying. The elders the scribes, the Pharisees, they thought they got what they wanted. Here was this man who came up and messed up everything, called them names, called them whitewashed tombs. He went out and hung out with sinners, not the good folk, but the sinners. Here's the man. They got their way. They got him crucified. What in the world are they doing there? This is like me and you going to the, the cancer ward and going, <laughs> I told you not to smoke. I told you you're going to get lung cancer while the person sits dying. That's like going to an ICU and saying, I knew it, I knew it. You didn't live a very healthy life. I knew it. Now look where you're at. Come on. This to me is, is honestly some of the most underhanded stuff in Scripture. And this is some of the best, clearest picture of what we get from mean, nasty people. He's dying, and what do they do? They come and ridicule him. We've got a, a running joke in my family, and someone's probably going to say it's dark, but we've got this running joke. It's my do not invite list to a funeral. So I, I've, I've told my wife, I said, if I, if I die first and I die early, I said, these are the people that are not allowed to go to my funeral because I have sat in too many services where you look and you know that one person's grinning in their heart and they go, I'm so glad that person's dead and I don't want that at my service. 
But truly, what we, what we see here is, is hurting people unite. That's what we see. We see Jesus near the end, and we see this, and, and really, what is this the best definition of? This is the best definition of bullies. And we have all these movies, and, and we watch a movie where there is a kid being bullied, and he stands up to the bully, and when that one kid stands up, all the other kids stand up against the bully too, and we cheer, and we go, yay, the bully's getting what he had coming, but we know that's not really what happens. We know that frequently, even when one person stands up against that bully, the rest of them don't stand up against the bully either. Why? Because human nature, we get comfortable. And especially when dealing with people who are already kind of insecure and very self-conscious, they don't want to be seen. They don't want to be noticed, so they're going to go along with the flow. They don't want anyone looking at them. They don't want the focus, and they certainly don't want the bullies ganging up on them. So what do they do? They, they join the ranks of the person that they see as the strongest or the most potential for destruction. This is exactly what's going on right here. We see hurting people unite and I, I got this comprehensive list, and if you think of something you'd like me to add, I'll add to it after the service, and I'll keep it in my notes. But this is my comprehensive list of where you can potentially, not definite, potentially find bullies, schools, offices, airports, airplanes, highways, neighborhoods, homeowners associations, political offices, law enforcement offices, churches, bathrooms, hallways, homes, public parks, amusement parks, public pools, restaurants, bars, museums, libraries, parking lots, and now, thanks to Jesus, spots of crucifixion. These are where the bullies roam. This, to me, this to me gives us a very clear picture of what's going on. Here are people, there are two people hanging on Jesus left and right. And people are mocking Jesus and what do they do? They gang up and they go along with the bully. Which is why Matthew 27 is so important. It said both robbers were making fun of Jesus also. It's, it's kind of like, if you ever had that embarrassing time, I'll, I'll share my embarrassing moment. I, had, I was walking with my work boots and we were laying cement and I, I kept feeling a pebble in my shoe. And I kept feeling this pebble and, and I was really busy so I didn't want to take this pebble out. And so finally I stopped, unlaced my, my boots and put my hand in there and there was no pebble. So I kept working and kept working. And I did this three or four times and it was getting really irritating because I couldn't find that pebble. And so finally I just said, forget it. I've got this job to do. I've got to keep going on. And finally after walking a long time, I couldn't take anymore and I actually looked on the bottom side of the shoe. And there was a roofing nail poking through my shoe. And every time I lifted my shoe up, it took contact out of the, the nail and I couldn't find it. And it was very similar. We get used to things. That's what these bullies were doing. They had a nail in their shoe and they were, they were simply getting used to the pain. They were ganging up against something. That's all they were doing because they didn't want to focus on them. And I'm going to tell you, I know a lot of you are going to say, oh, Jerry, that applies to everyone but me. And that is not true. I know you. I know you. I know how we do. Let's just, let's tell the easiest perspective, your favorite restaurant. I know how, how easy it is for us to get comfortable. We get comfortable with things we know. You find your favorite restaurant, you go, great service, great food. 
And you keep going, and pretty soon, you know what happens. They lose a few of their good workers, and the service isn't quite as good. But you keep going, and then pretty soon, the food's not very good. You keep going, and then the restaurant, you know what happens, family, you know what happens. Since they don't have as many customers, now they start bumping the price up. So now it's not very good food, it's not very good service, and the food's really expensive, but you keep going. Why? Because it's comfortable. It's comfortable. And this is the exact thing we, we see here. This is, this is nothing more than just a comfort zone. The bullies just didn't want to focus on them. They wanted to be comfortable. They wanted to go along with the flow. And this is something we need to remember in life. People always say, Jerry, you don't understand. I feel like everyone's ganging up against me. Jerry, I don't get it. It just seems like when it rains, it pours. Yup. Yup. I think Jesus would agree with you also. That not only, not only is it bad, but what it seems like when it rains, it pours. All right, let's, let's go back. To, now we're going to be back in Luke 23. We're going to stay there for the rest of the day. No more Matthew. I just wanted to throw that Matthew in to make sure you understood that both robbers were making fun of Jesus. Now we're going to go back to Luke chapter 23. We're going to skip down just a little bit. Let's go to verse 35 this time. And the people stood by watching, but the ruler scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, but let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine, saying, If you are the king of the Jews, say yourself, save yourself. But there was also an inscription over him. This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to, you, and said to him, Truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. We're going to stop there. And that brings us to our second spot. And we talk about this, this idea of dark horses and these unusual, unusual leaders, these things that we don't really look at, and here's this criminal, and what's this criminal done? All of a sudden, he has, he has given us one of the best examples of leadership. And what that shows us about Jesus is Jesus is ready to forgive. Jesus is ready to forgive. Let me, let me ask you, family, how fast are you at forgiving how fast are you at forgiving others? And there's always going to be one or two that go, oh, Jerry, I, I forgive really quickly. And I go, okay, maybe. You can say that now when you're not in the middle of being bullied. How fast are you at forgiving others? Because I will be honest with you, family. I'm a bit slow. I'm just a little bit slow. Sometimes I need a little bit of time to step back and, and think about things and look at things and consider things before I, I offer up some some quick forgiveness. So that means if you come up and, and you criticize me real good at the end of the service and you call me names and 10 seconds later you turn around and say, oops, Jerry, I'm sorry, you might need to give me a minute or two to process. You might need to give me a little bit of time. And maybe it's, the question is not so much, are you a fast forgiver? Are you fast at wanting to forgive? I guess that's a better way to speak to put it, how fast are you at wanting to forgive someone else? And maybe you're fast at forgiving when you're injured. How about when someone injures your friends or your family? How about when someone does this to your friends or family? Because sometimes it's easier to forgive what's been done to me than when you attack my family. 
I would be easier to let things go. If you hit me, I'm going to be upset. I'd have a really difficult time if you hit my family. In fact, I, I got in trouble when I was doing my graduate work. I, I wanted to do a study. Someone's going to get mad at me now. I, I understand. I wanted to do a, do a research. Who is faster to forgive, women or men? I really wanted to pursue this study, and my teacher gave me a big, fat no. Because I wanted, I wanted to address the fact. I said, I think, I think, you, you can criticize my opinion, I think frequently males are faster at forgiving, but the only reason the males are faster to forgive are because they allow it, the situation to become so violent and so explosive, they're forced. Either it's, they, they go all out or it's nothing. And so I, I wanted to address this in a research, and they really got upset when I said, I think sometimes females hold on to things. And whoo-wee, that's, that's what did it right there. I, I couldn't say that in a paper. And I was only half joking. I just thought it'd be fun to research because you don't see, you don't see a lot of females punching each other out, but you see that in men. You know, it, it, so it's, it's very unusual how each gender handles conflict. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to talk about it just for fun, and, and no one else wanted to talk about this. But I like, I like how fast Jesus is forgiving here. I like this moment of Jesus' speed. Why? Because sometimes when we read in Scripture, it makes it look like Jesus went to the trial, he got some good whoopings, he walked down the road, he hung on a cross, they stabbed him with a spear, they pulled him off, everyone went home before breakfast. That's how, that's how Scripture reads frequently, is it went spot, 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 done, over. It, it wasn't that way. So I personally, this is so amazing to me, because when the, the thief was mocking Jesus, and there were some moments, Jesus was ready to forgive him while hanging on the cross. While being in pain, Jesus forgave someone. And that to me is incredible. Because I have spent enough time in hospitals and I have spent enough time in physical therapy offices and recovery rooms to see that oftentimes pain brings out the demons inside of people. I have seen some of the nicest people I've ever known in my entire life swear more in 30 seconds than I have seen someone swear in 30 years when they're in pain. I have seen some of the meanest things come out and I have seen some of the shortest patience ever when someone's hurting. And here's Jesus. He's hanging on a cross. And I'm sure you're aware crucifixion was a torture. It was designed for torture. Sometimes we look at these crucifixions and we go, oh, that's really barbaric. Oftentimes torture was done in such a way that it was so barbaric that everyone around would look at that and say, uh-uh, I don't want to do that. Torture was designed to be a deterrent for future behavior. So here's this man hanging on the cross, and hanging on the cross was designed to take every last ounce of energy you had left. Everything you had, it was, it was being poured out. This was not 12 seconds. He did not get whipped, walk down the road, hang on the cross, 12 seconds later, dead, put in the ground. That is not this case. So here is this man with every ounce of his strength being poured out of him by this method. 
And the person sitting beside him that had just made fun of him now turns and looks and says, will you remember me? My response is, yeah, I'll remember you. You better believe that. I'll see you at judgment. Not Jesus. Not Jesus. There was this moment that Jesus was ready right after Right after the moment that this, this, this robber was making fun of him, who was mocking him. <laughs> what does Jesus do? He'll be with me in paradise. And this is so important to people because oftentimes, and you and, you and I both know this in churches, people always think, they say, I'm, I'm too far past forgiveness. I've done too much. And I'm going to be honest, if, if there was a man who is making fun of Jesus to his face while Jesus dies, while Jesus is the most excruciating torture, and he looks at Jesus and says, remember me? Will you remember me? If Jesus says yes to them, I don't know of any way we can possibly beat that. And maybe you're thinking to yourself, you're at church, and you're, you're sitting here saying, okay, I've been following Jesus for all my life. This passage has very little to do with me. Let me, let me show you what this has to do with you. If you've already accepted Jesus, you're already, you already know that you're going to be with him for eternity. If you already know that, I want you to look at this, this dark horse, this criminal, and I want you to look at him and, and notice this. He had an aha moment. And it seems to me, if I can follow my train of events properly, it seems as though his aha moment came after Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. So if this doesn't apply to you, I want you to look at this moment and say, that robber had his aha moment. And there was no way that you, me, or anyone else could have forced that robber to possibly have that moment. He had to have that moment on his own time. And as, as believers, we need to be respectful and say, hey, you know what, we're, gonna, we're, gonna not, we're not going to judge you too harshly. We know everyone finds Jesus on their own moments. And that's what we need to do here, is we see this and we look at this man needed that moment. He needed his moment to see Jesus look at the crowd of people that were ridiculing him and hear Jesus say, Father, forgive them. He needed that moment to say, this is it. And our neighbors, our friends, our family, we need to give them that opportunity also. We need to simply say, they're not a lost cause. They're not without hope. They'll never see Jesus. We need to look at them and say, they just haven't had their aha moment yet. It'll come. We'll be patient. We'll wait. All right, we're going to read one more time, and you can close up your, your scripture. This time, we're not going to read the whole thing. We're going to go almost all the way down. We're going to start out in verse, I think that's a 41. These numbers get smaller. My, someone messed with my Bible. 41, that's it, that's a one. And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. You know what that, that, that one to me is. I think, I think this last piece of scripture here, I believe this was really written, I think this was written to me and you. I believe this was written to people that have been following Jesus Christ. Uh, and this really, to me, is, is simply this. It's saved at the very last second. Saved at the very last second. Because you and me and lots of other believers were, were very similar. 
Uh, we have similar concerns, similar worries, and we, we go, Jerry, that, that person didn't give his life till Jesus to the very last second. Is he saved? I get that question frequently. That person lived his entire life or her entire life and they never cared about Jesus up until they knew that their moment was coming. Are they saved? We, we get that question. Or if we don't say it out loud, we, we ask ourselves here, let me, I'm gonna throw out some names and some of these names you might already know, uh, some you might not. Uh, Chris Watts killed his, his wife and daughters. Uh, David Berkowitz was the son of Sam Killer. Hurt seven, killed eight. Jeffrey Dahmer killed at least 18. Carla Faye Tucker killed two. Um, Claude Newsman killed his mother's abuser. Pamela Perillo was a habitual criminal turned murderer. Um, Tax Watson, seven counts, murder. And then, of course, we have, we have Saul, who oversaw the stoning of Stephen. What do they all have in common? Every single one of them have in common is they took the life of someone else besides Saul and at their very last moments said, I see Jesus. All of the names we, we read there are all convicted killers who found Jesus in prison by, by a chaplain that went in there and preached to him. And we look at that and we go, now wait a minute here. They lived their life, they did all these terrible things, and at the very last moment when they knew they had no other hope, these, these men and women here, they're on death row, they don't have much hope. Their best hope is to get life sentence and take the death penalty away, but honestly, their life is over. You spend your eternity in prison for jail forever, your life is over. I don't, I don't care what anyone says. But every single one of them lived their life the way they did, did horrible things, did awful things, and every single one of them near the end said, I see Jesus. Now here's this man, and they don't just throw people on a cross and crucify them for no reason. This isn't typically, oh, you, you looked at your neighbor's wife wrong, you gotta go. Typically, these are habitual criminals that have been doing wrong for a long time, and they've been doing wrong so long that the government wants to use them as an example to stop the behavior from other people from doing the same thing. They want to publicly humiliate you and torture you so no one else follows your footsteps. Here is this man. At the very last moment, what does he say? Jesus, remember me? Now, me and you, I know what a lot of us are thinking because I think it's also very similar. I go, wait a minute here. That's not fair that's not fair that person did terrible things all of their life never cared i told them about jesus i invited them to church they don't care they didn't want to come i told them to stop doing that criminal behavior they didn't care they kept going they had better stuff than i did because they robbed stole and cheat they paid less taxes than i did because they didn't report it and we have this list that goes on and on and we go well, i don't like that person they got to hurt the person that hurt them i don't get to do that why are they getting to call jesus at the very last second I think this passage here, this very end, is to me and you. I think this is written to believers. And this isn't the first time Jesus spoke about it. He talked about some people working in the field all day long, and they got a certain amount of money. And then as the, the landowner kept going and hiring people, he would pay them the same, even though they worked less. And then he went out and hired a group of people that barely worked at all. And what did he do? He paid them the same. That is irritating to people that have been serving and working and struggling and striving. And man, we put up with it. And we go, that's not fair. 
here's the problem it's not ours to give I, I've combed through scripture and I can't find one spot where Jesus looked at his disciples and said hey disciples what do you think of that person do you think he's worthy to follow me and I'll see it I, I, I've looked through scripture and I, I don't see one moment where Jesus had his followers and said hey followers that person over there is sick do you think he's worthy of me fixing him and I'll see it I don't see one instance of scripture where Jesus was walking with his disciples, the men he chose, and he looked at them and said, hey, disciples, I'm going to go kind of criticize the Pharisees for being so hard-hearted. Do you think I should now or later? I don't see it. This passage to me is a stark reminder to believers that the salvation that Jesus offers to sinners is his salvation to offer alone. And what that means is when we have these discussions, are they saved, are they not saved, that is not even a discussion we can possibly have. That doesn't even make sense. We, we can't debate that. We can't argue that. We can't really even think about it for the most part because that is nothing to do with us. The state of mind, the, the heart, the focus, the sincerity, we, we can't even come close to having this discussion. We can't. It is not between us. Salvation is between that person and Jesus Christ. And I bet you, I'll bet you, there were people that were there in that area who knew that criminal. They looked at that criminal when he was hanging before this happened, and they said, yep, it's done. You lived your life. You got what you have coming. You deserve this. There is no hope for you. I am almost positive someone would have had to walk by that knew the criminal and said, yeah, it's all over. And what's neat for this and us is it's never too late for Jesus. Too many times people believe they are too far, they are too far removed from turning to Jesus. I have heard more than once in my ministry someone says, I am too old for baptism. They say, I, I, I lost my chance. That doesn't make sense. I said, you're breathing? You're talking? It's not too late. This isn't something we only do with little kids. This isn't something for teenagers. This, to me, is a reminder to us believers that other people's salvation, we, we don't know. And second, even when they're on their very last moments, never too late. Never too late which is why we have prison ministries, which is why we have hospital ministries, which is why we have people in the church that are going to these, these oncology wards and these cancer treatment places, and they sit there and they hang out and they say, hey, let, let me tell you about Jesus. Why? Because it's never too late. As long as there is a breath, we can still reach people. And we never know when that aha moment happens. When they go, ah, I see Jesus. And I, I always wonder, just my, my curiosity, when this man, as he said, Jesus will remember me, I wonder if there was, there was any regret. Did he go, I just met Jesus now and it's too late. Man, I, I just found him now and it's too late. 
This is a, a great passage of, of a very unlikely church leader that we don't get to look at very often because this very uh, seemingly insignificant conversation between a criminal and Jesus is easy to brush aside. It's easy to overlook it and simply say, oh, nothing happened, but we see that one of the greatest transformations of people and we get to watch it in real time and we get to see how Jesus responds. That is one of the coolest things ever. I love that transformation. Speaking of transformations, if you have uh, not made a decision for Jesus Christ, I'm going to say today's the day. As our uh, praise team comes up to lead us in a song of decision, if you have not done it, it is never too late to have your aha moment. Come on down. Hey, if you're watching online and, and you want to make a decision for Jesus, uh, get a hold of us in the office. Uh, we'll make something happen. We'll come in. I'll, I'll work around your schedule. Jeff will work around your schedule. Uh, we want to do something. Or maybe you're having a rough week. You feel like uh, you were on the cross being mocked, being ridiculed. You want some prayers? Hey, come on down. Uh, I'll be up here. Uh, one of our elders, Roger, will be up here. If you're watching online or in person, if you've got a prayer request you, wanna, you want us to pray for, put that on your connection card. If it's confidential, mark it. We, we pray about it. We take those serious. It's important. Or if you're a baptized believer, uh, you want to be part of First Christian Church, come on down. We'll welcome you with open arms. Let's stand as we get ready to sing.
Psalm 145, the Lord is faithful to all his promises. In 146, the Lord is faithful forever. When you come to the communion time, what do you remember? What do you think about? As you partake of the emblems, your mind. Oh, of course, you think of Jesus dying on the cross. Think of his sacrifice for you. Think of his love for you. You think of God sending his only begotten son to become the savior of all men and women who will come to him in faith. Think of his death, burial, resurrection, among other things. This special time, the communion, calls to our memory many things, doesn't it? How about God's faithfulness? You think of that? God's faithfulness. Always, always kept his word to us. He has always done what he said he would do. He always will. Great is thy faithfulness, O God, my Father. There is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. Thou hast been, thou forever wilt be. Great is thy faithfulness, great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. The Lord is faithful to us. What about our faithfulness to him? As you partake of the emblems today, Recommit yourself to him. Recommit yourself to be faithful to him. Need help to do it? Well, I've got good news for you. You've got the Holy Spirit within. Ask for his help as you live from day to day. You might be faithful to him. Faithfulness. God's and ours. Think about it as you partake of the emblems today. Thank you, Lord God, for your faithfulness, for never leaving us nor turning from us, for never overlooking us, 
at being there for us, faithful in word and in action. Help us as we strive to live from day to day to be faithful to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, there, are, there are lots of important things in your bulletin today, so don't, don't gloss them over. Um, for today, we have a lot of our normal things, except for all women are invited to the, the Spa Nature Walk. There's information on the right-hand side of it. Um, also, there is the, the Friday, December the 1st, decorating of the church. You want to be involved, that's, that's there. We have a bridal shower for Kelly Barklow on the 2nd. Um, but super, super important is what's above that. It is our, our annual elections and there is a list of those who are going to be up on the ballot to vote for for our church members. Now, there's a, there's a word there. It says if you have a, that's the most important word, scriptural objection. This is the time that, that as a member of church, you're, if you have a scriptural objection to one of these men, you may voice it. You can't say, I, I don't want Roger up for an elder because he ate the last meatballs at Young at Heart breakfast. Uh, that, that's not a scriptural objection. Valid concern but not a scriptural objection. So check that out. That's our list. Um, it's a very limited time. And of course, that leads us into our annual meeting, which is on December 3rd at 4 o'clock. Um, if you are part of this church, you should be there. It's important. Uh, it's, it's necessary for what we do. That, all the good stuff's in there, of course. The office is closed Thursday, Friday. Um, there is Lori's Bible study on Wednesday morning, but the adults and teens on Wednesday night are not meeting. So it's, it's there. Check it out. 
on the back part of your bulletin, when we come to our, our prayer time, there's a, there's a, a Thanksgiving praise note. Um, we had a great Thanksgiving dinner. If you guys came here last Sunday, it was, it was a good time. Lots of food, lots of people. Um, you know, we should be in special concerns. We, should, we need to pray for the church. I'm sure you guys saw that one of our street preachers in, in uh, Glendale, Arizona got shot last week. You guys see that? He made national news. He was preaching on the street corners and got shot. Someone was really upset. And it, it doesn't make much coverage because they just want to, they want to shoo that stuff away, but the, the church is, is 100% under attack. People don't like what we stand for, and so we need to, we need to constantly pray for our church, our church leaders, uh, things like that. Pray for this man's health. And of course, our, our health concerns, pray for those who are, are hurting. Some of them are with us today. That's, that's good. Uh, we'll keep our deployed troops in your prayers like always, especially during the, the nice, cool holiday times, Christmas, Thanksgiving. It's, it's hard to be away. Keep our shut-ins in your prayers. Uh, our outreach this, this month we're focusing on is Operation Christmas Child. Um, keep them in your prayers, and if you want some information, you can find Steve or Sandy. They'll, they'll point you in the right direction. But otherwise, we're going to stand. We'll have a few moments of, of quiet, and then we'll pray together. We don't, we don't deserve your love. Thank you. Uh, thank you for loving us even when we can't earn it, and we certainly don't deserve it. Uh, Lord, thank you for these believers, this family that we have, this community, that, that we're here to lift each other up and, and live our lives going in the same direction together. Uh, Lord, I ask you as we step out of this building and, and we go about our normal day-to-day things, will you, will you give us the courage, the, the ability to proudly proclaim that we love you? Lord, I ask you to put someone in our path this week that needs to know about you. Give us the courage for us to tell them about you. Lord, thank you. Thank you for all the ups and downs in this world. Thank you for the, the ability to hurt, and thank you for the ability sometimes to, to recover. God, thank you for this life. Uh, thank you for loving us. Jesus, and I pray. Amen. this morning. Have a good Thanksgiving, everybody, and have a great week in the Lord.